Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Hey everybody, it's Charlie Fink and Ted Shilowitz of This Week in XR. It's Friday, March 17th, and as promised, we're going to do a little add-on show today where Ted and I hash over the show where we passed each other constantly like two ships in the night. I believe, actually, I only saw you physically for one fleeting time. Yes. Oh, and I was at your panel. Oh, yeah, you went to the Your fireside chat. I'm curious what you thought. But, But is this our first ever bonus episode, Charlie? Uh, you know, just depends. Dep- I don't know whether we've ever called uh, the additional episodes bonuses. I think it's, it's you know, it's got terminology. Bonus but episode. We, you know, there just wasn't enough time this morning. There was other news and we had guests and, you know, we that one was more. I mean, we got this idea because we were filling in Roni, but re- we really were filling in each other. Right, right, right. Or if it's not a bonus episode, th- this will be something that only people of our age will will remember. Remember in the times of when sitcoms were only on, you know, networks, right? Oh, and, yeah. And sometimes they would do a very special episode of the right, radio. Of very special episode of Different Strokes or <laughs> special episode of the Jeffersons where it would cover even stronger thematic or very epi- special episode of, of I Love Genie, which is like, now what could this possibly be about? Right, exactly. Uh, it's a lost in time kind of thing and nobody could ever refer to that anymore the very special episode so this is our very special episode so, <laughs> so uh how was your south by southwest hey it was good you know i mentioned that i was going to tell what i thought was a really great story well of course we, our, our main episode was so packed so i'll tell you this brief little story that i was actually going to write up and send um to our buddy um um, um, just blanking on his name now because it's been a long day. Uh, who runs the XR stuff? Um, Blake. Uh, Blake. Blake, yes, our buddy Blake, and see if he wanted to put it in like next year's program of why is South by so special. So here's my here's my story. So I was queued up uh, to see uh, a, a a movie that turned out to be two episodes of a TV show with our buddy Eric Shamlin from Media Monks. Yeah, and there was an amazing thing that happened that just made me reflect even stronger as why South by South, South by Southwest is so unique compared to other film and media uh, festivals. Because I feel, I'm, I'm sure you the same, that South by is the least pretentious, the most fun, the most sort of like physical space to do stuff, the most relaxed and unpretentious of all the festivals by far. Um, at least that's my opinion. You know, I love going to Sundance, but Sundance has an air of pretentiousness to it. Um, that I always feel like I'm, I don't belong there, you know, kind of thing. Um, so the story was very, it's a very simple story. So we're in line. It's a big, long line. Everybody's queued up to go see this thing. And there's a woman who's maybe three. I'm sorry, what are you in line to see? To, so we were in line to see, which was great. We could talk about it too. Um, Disney was running two episodes of a, a show that will run on Disney Plus, I guess, sometime this summer. And this was their premiere of it. It's called American Born Chinese. And um, it's an adorable show and a really interesting kind of like evolution of the Disney stuff. You know, I feel like maybe you feel the same way that 
there's only so much Marvel narrative we can all take without like diving deeper into some really good thematics. And this show was really lovely. It was a bit kind of a combination of like John Hughes kind of stuff, a little bit of superhero action, uh, kids in high school angst, and an Asian thematics of Asian identity. And it was really well done, exceptionally well done. Um, and I was very excited to happen to be able to see it. Um, so I recommend it when it comes out, you know, in the summertime. Um, so you were in line. We were in line. And a woman is three sort of notches down from us in the line. You know, they give out little little chits for you to go in to see if you can get a seat. And she's really kind of panicking because her phone died, right? And of course, everybody, when your phone completely dies, you lose all your connectivity to your world and your friends. So she was like nervous and she talked to this woman in a yellow vest. And then another kid comes up, a volunteer, also in a yellow vest. And he's like, I'm going to take your phone and I got a charger. I'm going to go into the theater and I'll, I'll plug it in for you. And if it's charged enough, before you get in, I'll bring it out. And if not, you can get it in the theater. And I was like, that is such a nice thing. Like it just, it just, it just warmed my heart that the first assistant went to the second assistant and said, can we help this woman out? And they said, sure. And, you know, they, so she took, gave her phone and she charged up her phone and, you know, it was like, that's super nice. And what was interesting is there was a, a woman with a press badge walking up and down clearly looking for a story about the movie or the TV show. And I said, you know, here's your real story. You should interview this woman about her Southwest experience with her volunteers. And she wasn't at all interested in that. She <laughs> about the movie. So I said, well, someone should write this story. Uh, so even better than me writing the story, we're now, it's now, you know, on our podcast for anybody to react to. Maybe they have similar stories or things that happened during the festival this year or past. I had breakfast with Tony Vitillo, the Scarred Ghost blogger. And uh, I I love this guy. absolutely adore him. And uh, one of the things we talked about was, uh, and actually he put this in his column, which he published today, Beating Me uh, on South by Southwest content. (laughs) But you have FOMO, whether you're at the show or not. Absolutely. So much FOMO is part of the show. Yes, because there's just so many things you cannot get it all in, right? And you Absolutely. know, you make you make a judgment in a moment about a party and it's not the right party, or you know, you go to see a movie and you blow off a panel you really wanted to see, but the movie was great and mm-hmm. you never would have found out about it otherwise. Right. And you know, so it's just it's sort of serendipity takes you along. You know, you start out with a plan. And, you know, the plan just goes to shit because you meet people and you do things and, you know, panels are up against each other. Um, So speaking of panels. okay, so I went to your fireside chat with uh, Val Vacante from Dentsu, uh, who's uh, always charming and very knowledgeable. Uh, I thought it was a great idea, you know, to propose to them. Uh, so good on, did you come up with that or Val? No, it was, that was Val's idea. Yeah, it was actually, very, very smart of her. My friend uh, Simon from Microsoft suggested that I would be a good mm. speaker with her to kind of talk about our trajectory and some of the stuff that we worked on, but it was so, not. So what did you think of it? Um, I, I thought it was fine, but it turns out a lot of people really liked kind of delving deeper into the stories and the the reasons why we do things and some of the thesis. And I got a lot of really good comments after the show. And even a couple of people uh, sent me some notes saying they really enjoyed it, that they, it was insightful and risk-taking and um, it was good. You know, well, I, mean, I hope you told them to listen to the podcast because I kind of thought it was your greatest hits. <laughs> it was a little bit of a greatest hits thing. And I did tell them at the end of the, um, uh, of the, of the session 
because uh, you you sent me a, a note. And it I know I sent you a reminder, but what? I left right at the beginning of the Q and A. Oh no, it, I mentioned it. It came up. Okay, on good. Watch, and I mentioned we'll it. See, the whole we'll thing. see our numbers skyrocket. Exactly. Sure. Just bolt up through the sky. Um, but it was it was quite fun, and it was it's nice. You know, it's it's always sort of flattering to talk about things that are you know kind of interesting in your life that you think might be valuable to other people. I think maybe the the two things that I recall from the talk that I that I said very impromptu that that meant something at least to me and seemed to mean something to the audience is we were talking about innovation and we were talking about change. And I said, you know, if you look at people that really, really significantly make change, the one sort of commonality, because in today's nomenclature, we could find that all of them are somewhere on the spectrum, deeply on the spectrum. And then I said, and keep in mind, it is a spectrum. So Everybody here in this audience and everybody in Southwest is someplace on a spectrum, right? So it's the ones that kind of lean into who they are and their unusual characteristics that allow them to find success and take risks in their DNA. Now, I didn't actually call out Elon Musk, but I was referring to Elon Musk as someone who has changed the automotive industry, I believe, for the better. Um, and also kind of delved into the darker side of social media for some strange reasons that I still can't quite fathom as to why he would want to do that, other than just his ego is so monstrous. Um, but you kind of have to take the, the good with the bad, the yin with the yang. Steve Jobs, I think, was like that. Bill Gates was like that. Many other, Peter Thiel, for those that know who Peter Thiel, very controversial figure. A guy well, he had something to do with the Silicon, Valley the of Silicon Valley Bank. But they're all on the spectrum in some yeah. fashion, right? They all have very unique DNA, uh, and I think that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and you know there are other things going on there. I mean, you talk about Thiel and Elon Musk, people like Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, these people are so rich they they live in a different world than you and I. You know, they have been called from the great herd of humanity. You know, so so I mean, these guys don't whether they knew it or not, and many of them like Zuckerberg and Elon Musk came from affluent families and went right. to Ivy League schools. Right. But that that level of focus, that level of like being able to ignore the noise and just see something that others might not see, you certainly have to have luck and good fortune. There are plenty of people that would be just as successful as those people because of where their, their mental minds work. Um, but that level of like singular focus on a goal as you know, I'm good friends with with David Copperfield, magician. You met him at CES. Yeah, you may have mentioned that with me. Um, and um, you know, he's so hyper focused on his world that, like, you know, what's interesting is he doesn't like follow sports in any way, shape, or form. We were watching the Super Bowl at his house. He's had no interest in watching the Super Bowl. He only wants to watch the commercials because he doesn't really know how football even works, <laughs> which is why he's so successful at being a magician. Because he, he's hyper-focused on it, right? So, so I, I got to give these guys credit. They're amazing. So, so I I moderated a panel. Yeah, that's here. And? Well, I had Joanna Popper from CAA, right. and, uh, who is, you know, I've done, I must have done, 10 panels with Joanna. She's been on the show three times. Since she's, she's become head of Metaverse at CAA, we can't get her back on the show. Right. And, and on the panel, and you know we're so close. Uh, she's great. Yep. Uh, and But she is so constricted in what she can say. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it really makes you look completely reckless. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember when we were at CES and Joanna was on that talk with our friend Aaron from yeah. Google, who yeah. also has to stay in his lane. Oh my and I God. Tried to rescue him by saying, 
Aaron is doing a really good job trying to make sure he doesn't get fired. Yeah, I know. Here, on the other hand, I probably am doing a really good job trying to get fired <laughs> in every way or form that I can. So, so, um, so far, they won't let they won't let him get. So we had TFM Johnny, who was on our has been on our show, the YouTube uh-huh. celebrity sure. who uh, broadcasts from inside of VR as an anime wolf boy, right. and. Uh, the other panelist was Samantha Gorman, the artistic director of Tender Claws. So, uh, you know, I thought the panel was okay. People oh, liked sure it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, um, you know, the topic was live performance in VR. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had, you know, an executive producer, you know, Joanna was one of the producers of Finding Pandora X. I had uh, a performer and I had a producing artistic director. So I thought it was a good mix of perspectives. I don't know how many people were in there, maybe a hundred or 200 at the most, uh, probably fewer people than were at yours, of course, mm-hmm. because I'm not, we don't have the kind of celebrity that you would have. Yeah, mine was, they called it featured, which I felt very <laughs> like, you need to no, know. No, featured, I had a featured panel last year with, with Timu Tok and Philip Rosedale and Rafaela oh, camera great. from, Epic Games, and you know we had a big crowd that's considering, that. you know, it was such a down year. Right. I did didn't see the numbers from this year. I think this year was not going to be as as big as they hoped. Yeah, I, I mean, the I, music I, people. Maybe the music people will show up in force, yeah. but I just have a feeling that it, it's not quite back to 2019, and I don't know when it will be. Yeah, nothing. Nothing felt overly busy. The 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 town was very comfortable to be in. Um, the movies were very. Packed though. I mean, all the screenings yeah. were full. Did I, you I, any traditional I, think, I think it may have something to do with the economy because, mm-hmm. you know, it's an expensive show to attend, mm-hmm. right? Just the tickets, a platinum ticket, $2,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to get your butt there. You got to pay for a hotel room or an Airbnb. Yeah. yeah, and it's not cheap. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of people, a lot of people went on the company's dime, and I don't think the company's doing that right now. Did you get to see any traditional media content at all throughout the week or you were all in XR all the time? Well, you know, because I was a judge, my time was really not entirely yeah. my own. So I had to do South by Southwest uh, a little differently. <clears throat> the By the way, the other, I also uh, was the MC for the XR pitch competition. Oh, right. And how was that? Adventure right. companies. Yeah, it was interesting. We had a metaverse company that got pitched that was doing sort of, you know, metaverse for rent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was a crypto company that was sort of backed by everybody in crypto, and they said they were going to do good, and it looked like a, a murderer's row of people who would be indicted if there were any rules. Nice. Uh, but you know, and, and she was talking, and uh, you know, of course, she of course she looked so cool with a baseball hat on and everything else, and she talked a mile a minute about Web three freeing us. And I just sat there with my hand on my wallet. <laughs> well, you know, crypto is is in a deep uh, resurgence right now. Apparently, shooting through the roof. I think it went over twenty seven thousand today, Bitcoin, and uh, everybody is much more confident than they were last week. Uh, well, I guess if your bank okay. is failing, crypto starts to look pretty hey, good. A good new mattress to put your money under, right? <laughs> I I guess, except you know, seventy percent of the market's controlled by ten people. So go right. out. That's a problem. <laughs> Because they can gyrate this thing around and around and keep putting your money in their pocket. Yeah, that's true. So, so I am not. I I vote not to play with the Winklevoss twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably pretty who, smart who are smart. among the you know uh, big manipulators, along with Michael Saylor at uh, MicroStrategy and 
you know, a whole bunch of other quote unquote whales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, there's nothing like a regular person should be doing with them other than losing money. Other than losing money. Yeah. Or just knowing if you know how to time. So, it. I mean, you know, look, if you got into crypto in 2011, maybe you're insulated a little bit, but you know, anybody else who's a new speculator is going to uh, really be at their mercy. Right. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the recent downturn didn't have something to do with some manipulation because oh, yeah, deep manipulation. It's just too too few people own too much of these currencies, and if you combine that with a lack of transparency, you know you end up in a pretty scary situation where you just have no way of knowing when market manipulation is taking place or when there's a genuine, uh, you know, realignment. Sure. Yeah, well, the reality of what that is is very, very thin, right? The, the yeah. veneer is thin. Yeah. Um, so, I'll tell you the other so, thing. Oh, uh, Miro shot we were talking about. Yes. Because we had Roman Rapak uh, on the podcast as a guest earlier today. Uh, you didn't get to see that. I didn't get to see it. I was. Did you see it last year? I saw. Um, what did I? No, because I wasn't there in person last year. I I saw clips of it. I. I I, and I thought it was very intriguing. I thought it was interesting. This this startup this startup has a really interesting opportunity because I think uh, location based XR and perhaps the primary expressions of XR in the near future may take place in public spaces, mm -hmm. particularly around music. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, so what they're trying to do, you know, having people in the audience in mixed reality, having people in VR, uh, you know, interacting with them and able to see the music simultaneously. Uh, I think there's something in that that is very profound and very of the moment. And uh, I, I know that Snap is leaning into that as well. You know, that last year they had a lot to do with Bonnaroo and, you know, building XR or mobile AR experiences. Uh, into that because everybody attends a conference. Uh, everybody who attends a concert has their phone in their hand. Right, sure, of course they already have a device, right? And, yeah. and I mean they use it. You know how in the eighties, you know, we would hold up lighters. lighters. Yeah, no, the, the phone lighter effect is a very clever trope. And now it's, it's actually it's, a great. You know what? I should use that because I, I talk a lot about the digital metaphors, right? The yeah. idea that email is just a metaphor for physical mail and Amazon is a metaphor for physical shopping, but I never use the, it's a great image to the show. Smartphone is, the metaphor is of the lighter is we just have digital lighters now. Of course we do, right? Makes total sense. Um, that's really interesting. Um, and I do, it is a deep part of intrigue for me, the idea of when we get the right devices that will replace our smartphone or start to replace our smartphone. The idea of this kind of creative artistic digital canvas that we can layer over real objects and bring into real audiences in the real world is really intriguing to me because it is an evolution of how we use media tools today, right? You go to a big concert, of course, the bulk of people are watching the concert on a giant TV that they hang over the artist because the artist is this big for, for most people. But the idea of bringing a creative lens, like you probably saw what they did with the Gorillas a few months ago. Oh, band, yeah. And, oh yeah. Well, we and, talked about that on the yeah, show. It's fantastic, wonderful. right? Wonderful. But but still trapped, still trapped in that little six-inch screen. When we untrap it, imagine the worlds that artists and, and creative people will create with a device that you can't see the difference between what's real and what's not. Uh, and it's comfortable enough to wear outside and bright enough to wear outside. That those days are coming. I mean, we've got to wait a little while, but it's it's definitely coming. 
Um, the other thing that I think was interesting, I'm curious if you even had any time to wander the the trade show floor. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And here's my was my favorite part about it. And I think this is a, a little bit of a reaction to pandemic, but also very South by is that it's a hodgepodge. There's no organization to the no. booth at all. They're just like there's a you know a, an autonomous helicopter company next to like a CIA booth and oh I know the government is always well represented there. <laughs> what is up with that? I don't know. Why it's South just, by Southwest? You know they're recruiting. Yes, they're recruiting NSA, CIA, yeah. FAA. They're all there. They're recruiting. Yeah, but like weird sort of conglomerates of like, you know, here's a digital cinema company next to guys growing hemp to build buildings next to guys selling cannabis lollipops. And it's just like, yeah, it's just fantastic. You know, they don't care. Everybody just like, take up, it's like a flea market. Take a spot they have, selling they, your stuff. And they have the poster show that always starts like in the middle of the week. Right, right. And I love those gig posters. Yeah, and you yeah. know, I saw one and took a picture you of it. One and sent it to Roni right? and he said, you yeah. have to buy it for me. Yeah, I saw. Because yeah. it was a... a Space dude stuffed with flowers. Right. So that's sort of right up his freaking alley. Eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh and I mean I can't believe he isn't there just to talk behind his I back. Know. I mean, I mean so, how is so he not there? So up his alley. I think you know, I I I think that you know, not to talk behind Brony's back, and I doubt he'll listen to this anyway. But you know, we we never really talk about Magic Leap. It's a little bit of a third rail. You know, I love hanging out with the guy. He's, you know, like guys I've been friends with all my life. He's so interesting and That's interested it. in so many things. Yeah. But, you know, we've never really had a frank conversation about the end of Magic Leap, the mistakes of Magic Leap, what they could have done differently. Yeah. And I think that part of him not wanting to be at AWE in person mm. and not wanting to be at South by Southwest in person is kind of having to, in a way, be in the real world and be at risk. Of yeah. That's, and, I mean, and I think the other thing is he he likes to be in public, but he wants to control the situation, right. control the narrative, which is hard. Yeah, and yeah. and I, I think know. and I think it would be so much fun for him to just connect with people on a personal level. Like, I think really what he, he craves more love than he realized. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what he craves, right? He really is by sort of holding on to that CEO mentality, um, you know, where you don't fraternize with the guys below deck, mm. you know, by hanging on to that, he's missing out on the thing that he craves the most. Oh, that's so much fun. What we, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also think it may be, um, and I guess, you know, now we're, we're sort of using Roni as a lens here. So we apologize. Yeah, we love but Roni, I, no doubt. We, we love Roni and, 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 and again, I, just out of respect, he'll talk about it when he wants to talk about it. Right, of course. I, I think it's a wider thing, though, that there are definitely people that once they sort of caved up for pandemic, um, have found it hard to uncave themselves. Like, you know, it's a little nerve wracking until you do it for the first time. And even, you know, for me and someone who just craves like, a, you know, I, I crave, yeah, this the social dynamic. It's part of what I love. Um I think, you know, the the first hundred, what was the very first thing I did um, out of perceived COVID? Um, and it was nerve wracking. Like, you know, is this going to, am I still going to have it? Do I, can I still do this? You know, uh, certainly getting up on stage, I was like super nervous. And I'm usually totally. someone. That I, did the, I did that last year. I, I mean, I did everything but go to CES in 2022. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I've never, I've never had it. 
You broke through and you've never had it. I know. Nathan. My I, wife got it while she was traveling, but I. Well, I, that's I, probably I, once you have it once, trust me, you don't want to get it again. It yeah. is not. Yeah, no, no. But I, everybody I know has had it. Yeah. Every time I meet, so I feel like the girl from The Last of Us. Right. You're, that's right. You're that girl. <laughs> um, so other things that I saw at yeah. South by Southwest. So I saw this panel that my friend Nico Charles was on, uh, and it was about head-mounted displays. And, uh, you know, it was one of these panels where nobody says anything you don't really know. Mm. Not the only person who doesn't really know it. So everybody's sitting in the audience looking at their phone and doing other things. Right, right. So Nico says, how many people in this room think that we're going to be wearing augmented reality devices all the time in 10 years? Oh, and what was the answer? They're like, a third or 20% of the people raise their hand and he goes, and the, so what the fuck are you doing here? Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had, I had a similar comment at CES. I, gotta, I, mean, I told him afterwards, I'm, I'm stealing that. Yeah. I'm totally a, stealing. Similar, <laughs> similar thing at CES a few years back. I asked a similar question. I said, who here in 10 years thinks you'll still be using a device as your daily device that has this form factor? And, you know, I don't know, half the people raised their hands, half didn't. I said, uh, then why are you at CES? Like, I don't understand, <laughs> you know, like CES is all about like forward progress on things and how things are going to change. And, and it didn't make any sense to me. It's like, do you really think it's going to look like this? Do you remember it looked like something else 10 years ago? It's yeah. not going to look like yeah, this. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, great, great line from, uh, from Nico. Uh, yeah, so, that's good. Such a that's smart great. guy. Um, I, I, my most interesting panel that I got a chance to go to, there's a guy named, his first name is Bill in real life. He, he goes by, uh, his, his handle is Worley. So Bill Hurley, Worley, William Hurley, Worley for short. He runs a kind of an interactive media agency in Austin. I've known him off and on for the years. Um, and he gave a presentation that was fascinating. Um, that was well over an hour long, big, big audience, keynote sort of presentation. I noticed instantly that all of the uh, media in his slides was created by either Dali or Midjourney or one of those sticks because it has a certain look. Like you could just tell, at least I can, that yeah. it was created by a text prompt turned into art, right? Mm -hmm. They were all good. They were really lovely to look at, but they were all kind of a little neon effect and kind of like, okay, uh, those are like, I, I got that shtick. They I have the look of a thousand paintings mushed together. All morphed together, right. <laughs> So, so I got that part very clearly, and that was fine. Uh, but I noticed that his patter, and I've seen him talk before, and he's always very, like you and me, very natural, easy, easy going. His patter seemed just a little stiffer than normal. So it was a little off-putting to me, but I couldn't quite figure out why. And at the end, it was a bit of a reveal um, where he said, you know, I was super nervous about this because I wasn't actually giving my normal presentation. What I did is I took every topic I wanted to talk about, plugged it into an open AI text prompt and it created my pattern. And I literally read it from a kind of a hidden teleprompter, every single word, including stuff that's completely inaccurate, just to leave it as is. So you can go back, you can figure out all the stuff I said that was wrong, but nobody, at least in my perspective in the audience kind of figured that out. It was a little sixth sense other than it seemed a little stiffer than normal. And then he admitted it, that it was all written by an AI um, every last word of it. And he held it together for a whole hour and it was very intriguing and a really good proof point. It was really interesting, I thought. Um, 
Let's see, other stuff. Oh, Leia. Yeah, Leia. you like you like the that stuff? Our friends from Leia have a new loom pad. Yeah, it's like an uh, iPad that's 3D without glasses. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a smaller one that they did two years ago that wasn't as good. But this thing, you really think that polycam 3D objects are like popping off. Sure, the floating screen, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're and not just a little bit. Yeah, they come like, out. Right. It feels like the screen is like coming out a good like 12 inches off of the screen. Yeah, if, if, the, if the asset's created right. Yeah, because yeah. the density of these pixels is getting tighter together. So we're able so, to do so, so listen to this. It'll take 2D videos from YouTube or Vimeo. And turn them into 3D video. Right, the auto stereo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll do the same thing with 2D pictures. Yeah. Uh, it's quite extraordinary. And you can, of course, take real stereoscopic pictures using the external facing cameras, mm -hmm. which they also use for eye tracking. So sure. it also takes these stereo pictures that really are really, really high quality. So, uh, you That's know, right. I love those guys. David Fatal, the uh, founder, co founder and CEO, has been on the show. Yeah. And uh, I was just really, really excited to see that. And again, it was just sitting on the show floor next to some kind of driverless car design. Right. And and somebody making belts out of marijuana. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and, and and exactly. And, uh, and and of course, people selling massagers and right. shit. Exactly. Just all kinds of the, the, the <laughs> Southwest flea market. Fantastic. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I also saw, saw a new pair of um, AR, a new AR headset. Oh, really? That is Google Glass-like. It's like a hundred and something dollars and it's, it, it's for an iPhone. Ooh. And <clears throat> it leverages a Google, an, um, an iWatch. So an iWatch is one of your sensors when you play the game. And they have a number of experiences where you are playing inside of AR, you know, there's like dragons and- Oh, I missed this one. What's it called? What, the, the, I'm sure Holo Kit. Holo Kit. Kit. And Holo Kit. And it uses just every aspect and every API inside of an iPhone, which nobody has ever really done. Oh, oh, but it's 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 like throwback to the old, put your phone in the thing. Yes. I have I have seen a, an earlier version of this. This is um, so, but this yeah, is yeah. so good. The guy's a Stanford PhD. He's a really super smart guy. Yeah, 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 it's uh, cool. And I uh, so I don't know what's going to happen with it. It's it's actually on Amazon now for like a hundred bucks. And we get one right now after we're done. It's very not, cool. Not only can two people do it, but a third person can be in spectator mode and doesn't even need the thing. Maybe. And just be in spectator mode as long as they all sync up with a QR code. They're all sharing this AR experience, and yep. even spectators can watch the two wizards duel it out, so to speak. I remember this. I've seen earlier versions of this that were not as refined. This looks like a uh, wow. And uh, I guess the only thing I see as I'm looking at the website is I want uh, the battery pack on the back of it so it balances because the phone's going to be heavy on the front of your face. Yeah, they. I mean, the. the, the the configuration they have is is pretty sensitive, and I don't know that you're going to wear it for more than ten or minutes or so anyway. Got it. Uh, then I also saw I saw a robot. You know, cannot be South by Southwest or CBS without some robots. That's true. Without yeah. one humanoid robot. Yeah. And uh, the the robot's called Mir Miroki. It's got a little face, so it's like cute, and it's got mechanical ears that yeah. respond to the sound of your voice. It rolls on a ball that's at the bottom of the robot. The robot's about four feet tall. 
and they, yeah. it, there's a ball at the bottom with a lot of ball bearings and it weighs a ton so the thing can stay upright and it's thirty thousand dollars it comes out in two years and it's a helper robot it's got hands and they're thinking like hospitals where you know they have children or even just hospitals where they need an extra pair of hands like Maroki, go empty the bedpans and the thing can do it. And because it's got this kind of cute cartoony face and and ears, they're thinking, oh, it's not going to be threatening to people. And and they characterize it as a helper robot. That's cool. Uh, the thing that I saw in that vein is actually from our friend Val and Densu. They acquired a company and I, I'm, I was looking it up to see if I got the spelling right. I think it's actually called Hugly or Huggly which is a, a virtual hug machine. And it's essentially a vest with all of these uh, wires and kind of contraption that constrict. So they put the vest on you. And then there's a, another thing that basically kind of looks like bubble wrap on a mannequin. And if you hug the bubble wrap, uh, your partner, whoever it is, a foot away or a million miles away, as long as they're connected via IoT, will feel the hug. Uh, and it is remarkable how well it works. And then, of course, for me, you extrapolate where is the emotional context. Well, you tie that to a virtual headset. And if you want to connect with someone from your life that is no longer with us or a friend that you haven't seen in a long time or an enemy that you want to make <laughs> up with or, you know, I could give you any kind of story vein that you want. But the most powerful one is, you know, if, if you lost your parent or your grandparent mm. and you want to give them a hug again, mm. You can create, you know, just put a picture up of them in VR. Well, that, Doesn't that, in VR. You know, well, of course, that raises this question of, right, how do we want to record ourselves? How do we want to be remembered? Right. Not just to our kids, but to their kids right. and to their kids' kids, right? I mean, wouldn't it be cool right now if your grandfather could talk to you or at least had a video where he was thinking about who you might be? That would be yeah you know, incredible, but I don't know. If I gave you a hug and you felt that hug, yeah. I guarantee you the waterworks would be like yeah. completely, you know, yeah. unbelievable. Because, so you know, our really ancestors nice. are lost to us, the ones before yeah, yeah. photography. And even since the invention of photography, because, you know, I have all these family pictures from the turn of the century, from the late uh, 19th century, and nobody knows who the fucking people are. Right. Well, that's the see the writing on the back of some of the pictures, and you could read it like Joseph Fink. Who the fuck is Joseph Fink? (laughs) That's the premise of the Disney movie Coco, right? Is is once the last person that remembers your picture goes away, you have to go on to the next place, and it's a lovely premise. You know, it's kind of fascinating. Well, I mean, it's uh, we all know on some level that that's true. Yeah, it is true. It really is true. Ted, it's great hanging out with you. As as I said, because we missed each other so many times. This was our catch up. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, I'm going to, I think I have to come to your place and record the show with you. We should, we should do a a hangout and then we should play guitar together and, you know, exactly. Exactly. Oh, by the way, last (laughs) thing we have to talk about at Southwest barbecue. Did you have a good barbecue experience? I had barbecue almost every night. Oh, every night? Oh my God, Charlie. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It was not, that was not my plan. And, you know, the truth is, Ted, I can't eat that much brisket anymore. <laughs> you know, you give me like one oh, yeah. fatty, drippy piece, and I'm well, pretty much done. The second night. The I'm barbecue. pretty much done after that. We went to Cooper's, which is right in town. And then right next to the JW Marriott. I mean, yeah, it's just it's how easy can that be? And it's really good. It's super authentic. And one night we went to a place with my buddy Tim. We went to a place called Lambert's, which is usually oh, famous. Always, 
Famous. Always booked up. Yeah, always booked up for private parties during South by, but we just happen to go in there and like as long as you're out by 7:30, you can have a table. Like, uh, the other yeah. the other place everybody goes is Stubbs. Yeah, Stubbs and and Blacks and yeah. Salt Lake and there's a you know they and they're all great, but Lambert's is a whole yeah. other level. Yeah, the um and then then they had a dinner for the creators and the judges and everybody in the XR experience exhibition and they serve brisket brisket and you're like oh my god no more brisket <laughs> exactly open bar no but it's brisket <laughs> no, no, no brisket please that's funny good yes super right. good time we recommend everybody go next year yeah, uh, go to south by southwest don't it's, not I, don't miss it it's a really good time yeah it's it's you learn something you know, I think that's really, in a way, that I think tells the story of why you and I are not retired to Florida and playing golf, because you stop learning things. Right. And I you agree. stop meeting people. And to me, that's kind of what makes life worth living. I agree. Have a great weekend, Ted. And everybody. Good bonus episode. Thanks, Charlie. Cheers. Bye. Bye.